You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. Yo, back in the studio today. And today I got some special guests. This was a, a little impromptu, but I'm super stoked to meet you guys and have you guys on the show. I got Jeremy and Dan, the original founders of The Secret Cup. The original Secret Cup. The the, the show show, <laughs> you know? Thanks for having us. No, thanks, thanks, for, thanks for being here. It's awesome. I'm glad thanks for to, this amazing flower. Oh, appreciate you. Yeah, no, my pleasure. I love to, I love to, I love when we have good enough weed to share. You know what I mean? So, uh, how you guys doing? Good. How's the last year been? I know it's been a weird year. Hopefully you guys have handled it well. You know, it was a weird year. Actually, um, about two and a half years ago, I got kind of burnt out on the weed industry and I was actually working a straight job. Really? Yeah. I was managing a plumbing and water damage company, writing insurance estimates and doing all that sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that was probably just like a big a big change coming from, from running events. Yeah, running events and also being in the, in the industry for so long. Yeah. It really is like a feast or famine sort of lifestyle. And after a while, that kind of wore on me, so I needed to take a little break. I bet. Yeah, I get it, man. I've been I've been like eight years, seven days a week probably, so I understand the fucking... It's a lot, and, it, and you yeah, just can't you, stop, you know? If you've ever actually been a part of the weed industry, you know that that stereotype of the lazy stoner is just ridiculous. Like, uh, when I manage shops, I work 14, 16 hours a day every oh yeah. single day of the week. When you trim, you trim till it's done. That's it. Yeah, my girl laughs because she's like, well, she'll have friends or, like, other people. Other Obviously, through Instagram or other things, and they see us, like, what they see as thriving. But it's like, oh, you must be killing it. The weed is fucking... It's great. You're in the, the, the cannabis business. That's awesome. You're successful. And I'm like, yeah, I guess. I'm like, this shit is a grind and a half. You don't want to do you don't want to do half of this shit. You know what I mean? Right. And to stay on top, it's it's even harder. Yeah, I was I was crazy to quit acting to to you know be you know, work <laughs> with plants, but it was my passion. So what could I what could I do, you know? So let's talk about uh let's talk about Secret Cup, bro. Let's talk about, you know, how you guys hooked up and started this uh, this special event. Well, the reason it started was because we felt like, you know, competitors themselves weren't really getting a fair shake at competitions. You know, you're spending $1,000 for your entry, you know, and that's not even counting how much it costs for you to make your entry in the first place. Yeah, minimum. I mean, sometimes they were spending much more than that, you know? Yeah, and, you know, at the end of the day, you don't know why you didn't win if you didn't win. You know, you don't get any kind of constructive criticism from anyone. Like, you don't even know how you placed unless you're in the top three, right? Yeah. Most of the time. So what we did was uh, we wanted to have a competition where the competitors were actually the judges. They'd receive all of their competitors' entries and would have to uh, judge them blindly, you know, whereas their score for themselves wouldn't count and determine a winner that way. That's awesome. That's a, you know, it seems like it's fair, and at least you get a fair shake, and you definitely, you know. It was awesome for a while. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, the, the, the concept of it is awesome. And for the, for the competitors, it is amazing. Yeah. yeah. And, you know. It depends on integrity. So yeah. So when the competitors are being honest, it is totally awesome. Okay, I get that. Yeah, I understand what you're, where you're going with that. <laughs> you feel like there was some, some collusion that came, in, 
came into play a little bit? I mean, to survive back then, you had to be clever. Yeah. So they figured out ways around certain things here and there. I bet. Yeah, I get it. We had to watch it like a hawk. But <laughs> yeah, we had a couple people that had entered many times, and they were frustrated with not winning. So they were trying to figure out uh, any way they could win. I see. We were still able to kind of catch pretty much everybody who tried anything, though. We were, and we never threw anybody under the bus either. Where are you guys from? Well, I was born in Arizona, but I grew up here in the San Fernando Valley. Oh, you're from the Valley. Yeah. Okay, cool. Me too. Went to yeah. Silmar High School, went to uh, CSUN. Awesome. Okay. Yes. I mean, the Valley's the Mecca, bro. Yeah, definitely. I Way underrated. in the Valley. Yeah. Where was the first secret cup held? It was in Denver, Colorado. Oh, really? Yeah. We were, uh, I was collaborating on an event with, uh, with Nick T. Mm -hmm, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, we, dude. Yeah. Great guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was like the EA Extracts Harvest Bash. Extract Artists Unite. Extract Artists Unite Secret Cup Slash. <laughs> so we had a bunch of people coming in from all over the country and we decided to throw a little competition. We wanted it to be 10 and 30 people wanted to enter. 30 people wanted to enter and you wanted yeah. it to be 10. Yeah. Awesome. So we had 30 people in, and uh, it became really overwhelming really quick. I bet. And Jeremy came out for this event, too, because he was representing um, his brand, Rig Rags. Uh-huh. And uh, I was like, dude, could you help me? Treating and he just stepped too. up. <laughs> I, I was going to write an article about the Secret Cup and treating yourself. And then... Uh, you ended up running it. Yeah, yeah. Or helping out with the... Yeah. Working. Well, I, I was staying with Dan, and so I saw him, him being overwhelmed right away. And I uh, had a lot of experience in the industry right so i could kind of help these guys right away they would come in they didn't know what to do and i could get them started and and i was way into it too i just enjoyed being around it i love meeting all these new people they were all the like leading hash makers in the industry yeah many of them i didn't know so yeah this was, is still what year is this 2012 yeah yeah so this is you know nine years ago now 2012 was like still even in Colorado it's like still like the dark ages pretty much you know <laughs> people weren't even all off form stuff I don't even think people were on Instagram or really posting anything like that at all yet in 2012 they didn't even have a uh, yellow BHO on the shelves when I moved out there to start top shelf extracts I bet yeah yeah I mean we had we had I guess it was just 2012 was like it was just starting to come around even in the valley bro where people were still I think it was still blasting PVC and fucking trying <laughs> you know fools were getting blown up left and right oh, you know yeah. filling up their backyards with butane before they figured out that it was heavier than air huh yeah that part <laughs> fuck man yeah I mean all the early early guys I know they all got hit hit you know it was um, the Tamesiums were the the very first closed loop systems that were kind of getting popular and yeah, those are awful. Yeah, a <laughs> we had the time. guy come down who actually invented it, and you know, during his sales pitch, he told us he blew the roof of his garage off, but he has it all figured out now. Oh yeah, it's great now. <laughs> Don't worry. It's always funny when I go to tour like a Type Seven somewhere out in the desert with my friends, and they're like, they're like, yeah, we got these these great blast proof containers, and he's like, well, yeah, unless you're in it, <laughs> they're, they're yeah, they're blast proof for everybody else, but. You know, somebody somebody's in there, you know, screwing knobs in and doing stuff. So exactly. it ain't exactly blast proof on the inside. It's volatile for a reason. Right. Um, yeah, it's been a, you know, it's a it's a crazy game. You guys seen the the 
pretty much the whole lot of it too as well you know the whole level, the whole evolution yeah it's uh it's amazing what people are putting out now though oh yeah incredible bro all of the stuff that's going on now is crazy it i was, mean it was interesting like uh every now and then somebody would show up to the event with some sort of like groundbreaking new tech <laughs> and we would all be like oh wow Oh, don't stop because of me. You know, the brother got to be late. <laughs> yeah, Dietrich, Dietrich just stepped into the What's show. Up? This is my man, co-host, Dietrich. About this is, here. I tried to this is Jeremy and Dan. Yeah. yeah, nice to meet you. Yeah, pleasure. Um, yeah, I think that uh, I bet that was like those times where somebody would come in with like a new a new style or even like a new a new texture or a new product, and you were like, oh, shit, this is Game Changer, right? Yeah, I remember when... Um, we had Horatio Delbert. I don't know if you, you're familiar with that. No, name. I'm not. He's like big with like Bubble Man and he was like a guest on like Hash Church a lot. I believe okay. he has passed away. Also. He has passed yeah. away. Rest in peace. Yeah, uh, sorry. Rest in peace, Horatio. He actually, I can say this safely now, smuggled some uh, limonene extracted hash oil from Canada to compete in our Pacific Northwest Secret Cup. No way. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a, cool. A, a legend right there. This is like 2014. <laughs> I think we saw some of the first Raws in ever at the Secret Cup. Um, we saw some of the first like uh, uh, distillate ever at the Secret Cup. Yeah, how do, how so so the room's a buzz when somebody comes in with a new product like that. That's kind of like a game changer. I mean, I'm sure hash rosin like dabbable a dabbable full melt is like people were know. like, oh shit, you, you know? know. The full melt wasn't competing with BHO for our first few cups. It really took uh, Brandon from Third Gen. Yeah, to bring the some homie. of his stuff right there, yeah. mm -hmm. and then he changed the game for everybody. Yeah, he changed the game. He they really were, did. They were showing up at first, and they would have these like glass irons, mm -hmm. and they would heat the iron up, and they would have some like dry sift, and they yeah. would press it right there, and then you would have some sort of like kind of shattery, almost type of thing and then you would dab that and then it wasn't long after that that just rosin became the big thing i see branded like i went up because he opened a growers club of a bed though i seen him last month and that full had that full had slabs of skittles and like mm. like fresh press bro fire as fuck like people don't see rosin like this but i was like he was just showing me he's like check this out check out this 90u check out this 120 just fucking you know, his shit's so fire, it looks like shatter anyway. It looks like shatter we used to have in the valley or something, but you know that shit is, is single source, just like that real Z, just like, bam, kick you in the face. You know what I mean? Yeah, Crazy. Yeah. He won quite a few of our events. I yeah. bet. Yeah, I love that dude, bro. I actually had him on the show, and it was such a great show just hearing, like, all the old school, like, Mendo stories and, like, you know, just, like, all the gorilla fucking growing, talking about, he's telling me stories about, fucking sweeping emerald cup after they've been sleeping outside fucking running spots and this and that and they come in and fucking hit every position fucking win every win everything up and down the board <laughs> it's fucking crazy bro really really cool um cool ass dude so secret cup starts in denver you guys come home and decide to 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 make the, it a thing yeah to throw the first la one you yeah. know we had such a good time um doing the first uh, secret cup we decided to do regionals because all these people came from all over the country and they wanted something like it to happen and sort of like kickstart the dab scene where they were from. Yeah. And I mean, it was a big wave. So like I told you, I ran Green Dragon. So we were known for concentrate. Um, we were a big concentrate shop here in the Valley. So as the wave like kicked in, I mean, I've served more shatter and wax and butter and different forms of 
than most people will have ever seen. You know what I mean? So I'm really familiar. You remember when you had to cut it up yourself? Oh, bro. I remember like the, I remember us figuring out how to package it. I remember right? us oh, like yeah. getting to the ice and then it was cold frozen tiles as we would just be sh like shattering it. You know what I mean? Sure. But like literally going through the process of, oh, there's water getting into it. It's sizzling. Let's do, go back this way. Yeah. Let's do this. And as like the game evolved, um, who did I see? I seen seven seven one zero labs yesterday post about a. Uh, they were using like little little metal little metal rocks, right? They were heating little metal rocks, and it was helping them. They they were doing some uh, huh. some oil pens, right? Okay. But they were saying that you know. It was better than using better than using liquid because no liquid was getting into the oil and it takes away the sizzle. But like I just and they posted it and they showed how they were doing the process and it was so dope. I was like, that's rad, bro. It's cool that. You guys are really putting that info out there because I love like the evolution of, yeah, you know how this shit came out of some dude's backyard, fucking black oil to fucking this to straight trichrome and you know the story about um, HMK right? Hashmaster cut. He's the one who really we owe BHO to. Like um, he started posting the recipes on how to make it. And uh, it just took off from there. Really? Yeah. The, yeah, there was a crew. There was like a few Canadians that were really early on. Oh, I bet, because they had all the work back in the day. But they yeah. hit Toke City, mm -hmm. and then it just spread all over the country. There's like a big dab contingent in Florida, and has been for a decade. Yeah. More. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Well, and that, that time was also a real transition time with sharing information. Um, the, when the internet was, came yeah. around, it became like... Not like the AOL prodigy days, but you had like real forms. And Even places. just like hash techniques, like to learn how to make um, really good bubble or all the, it, it was protected. Of course. People didn't want to teach you that no, kind of nothing. stuff. It was how they were making their money. And then like kind of when BHO came around, it was a little protected at first, but then that technique kind of got out on YouTube and all these places and it was real easy to kind of figure out and it grew and people were sharing their techniques now. Yeah. And they weren't protecting anything. And that was a big part of our event, too. People were real open. They would come to the show. They'd be, like, telling each other how they were doing things and one-upping each other and sharing, like, oh, here's how you can improve. Here's how you can do this different, too. It was really a cool time. Yeah, it's amazing because, like you said, these are guarded secrets because this is somebody's livelihood. And if you, you know, if you have an edge in the game, obviously it's not something that you want to give away or, or, or have – you know, we knew is don't give the cutaway. Like OG was the most yeah. protected thing ever for so long because it was like, you know, once you water it down, the price goes down. It changes. It changes everything. And you know, thank God that I feel like OG is semi responsible for legalization. I feel like the price increase that it, the value that it had and created, made it made everybody's eyes open and realized that, oh, maybe this should be a business. Maybe this can be a thing. Maybe this is, maybe this is worth <laughs> looking at from a, tax, from a tax point. And I think that it's responsible for the movement, but that's, that's because something slipped out. You know what I mean? And I think that we've accelerated so fast now with all this YouTube and these things because these kids can, they can really watch. Look, look how fast the rosin and everything has come around now where, you know, everybody's washing their stuff. Everything's everything's fresh and and you know you're getting you're getting you know just fresh you know hand washed uh straight out of a trash can they're pressing it there you're getting fire fire material fresh frozen and in a, in a you know if, if somebody like the brandons in the world or people that don't share their techniques and this type of stuff doesn't get out then 
you know, you have one guy that is king of the mountain, but there's no community really. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I'm really impressed with what I'm seeing these days. It's amazing. Yeah. And they just keep getting better and better. And it's obviously like, I'm just like, what's next, you know? You know, it's going to be other industries figuring out applications they could use with hash. Of course. You know, that's all the distillate and the all CBG and CBD and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I have a hemp Not facility. Not only that, like, like the, the equipment to, uh, you know, like to smoke it is what's... It's oh, bringing me closer to her because like uh, the puff codes yeah, and you the have one like the little right exactly the little yeah. device or whatever and put a little bit in there it's not so complicated with you know that's making it, it easier to intake and it you takes know the, the pins and everything it, are great. Well, let's just say it started out with torches and and dab rigs and it was a little cracky, bro. It was, it was a little <laughs> it was a little pookyish and we you yeah. know anybody that's from an '80s baby or or early '90s knows that that like. It's paraphernalia. It looks like some weird <laughs> shit. You know, it looks like that's a whole nother drug. That ain't, that ain't, you that ever ain't cannabis. You dabbed off of charcoal, though? Have <laughs> I ever dabbed off charcoal? Yeah, hookah charcoal, right, when it first started? No. Yeah. <laughs> that's, how, that's how you guys were originally Before hitting it? Before we had rigs, we still had the oil. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was a variety of ways that you could smoke it. And one of the ways he's talking about is, like, you'd get a hookah charcoal. You'd light it and get it burning. And then you just get like a straw or a glass straw, and just hit it like like a fucking yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, like along I said, with the charcoal smoke, yeah, and everything else. I mean that that was probably the that was probably the least of your worries at that point. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> I remember having like just like gooey green fucking oh, yeah. gooey green wax, and like I'd be like, "Are you sure?" And he's like, "Yeah, that one just won't set, bro. It's the strain." And I'm like, "Okay, sure." And <laughs> I, I Eagle I, Twenty, it's the yeah, strain. <laughs> I got these fucking I got these little fucking clear tubes, and I'm over here putting it on bowls, and it's sparkling just fucking every time I hit it. Why is it sparkling? It's lighting up. <laughs> Like fucking fireworks. I'm like, I don't know. This shit gets me ripped, though. I love it. Yeah, neem oil will do that. <laughs> yeah, neem oil. You know how we found that out was that it would just collect at the top when when we were blasting it, bro. Like once the closed loop came around, we we're like, oh okay. This texture thing isn't. This is. Oh, there's there's something else to this. Huh? Yeah, the neem oil would just sit at the top and be like, okay, yeah, don't don't get that dude's trim anymore. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So like, I don't know why that shit mad gooey. <laughs> it's funny, though, that diamonds come around now and all these different textures and things. And I remember just diamonds like... Diamonds are cool. I remember like sh- like shatter slabs waxing, like sh- the sugaring up. I would call it like sugar wax. We would scrape it and put it in containers and do things. But that was really like our first step in the process of like, we weren't actually mining them yet, but like yeah. we were seeing that under certain conditions, this thing started to to change shape and change form and then also you know as it separates it it changes its its profile and you know you're getting a little more terpy if it's wetter or this or that you know it's interesting the way the game has evolved and then became the next the next wave so to speak when i was producing full-time in denver i really wish i would have figured out that that's why the best strains i got were always at risk of auto buttering you know they're always at risk of it the better they were yeah because it's super terpy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we didn't we didn't know. No. <laughs> See, we could this is the the thing that's cool is like as we know now and things become more scientific and with the testing, like we can breed into certain directions, you know what I mean? And like yeah. uh you know, we're talking about Brandon. And Brandon taught me how to he walked through my room and squeezed my buds and taught me what to look for for tacky resin. I mean, that's a game changer, bro, for me yeah. like Look, I grow flour. I grow flour for flour. So a lot of times what he's looking for as a hash maker isn't the same thing as what I'm looking for right. as a as a as growing boutique flour. The strains that wash don't necessarily look good as flour most of the time. 
and it can be a little bit vary, but it's cool to know, you know, from the man himself, like what I am looking for in a resin gland and why it, it reacts a certain way, why it's, some of them are wet, some of them are tacky, what you're looking for, what you're collecting, different, different vibes, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about all of this. Uh, even like the hemp, the hemp research and everything. It's really dope. I just, uh, I'm running hemp at a facility in, in, in the desert in Palm Springs and uh, small LED rooms and it's turning out super fire and we were washing it and and blasting it and getting oil back from it like that. I mean, we didn't know if this shit would wash or not. You don't really know. I mean, we know it's really top quality, sure. top quality, low THC, but we don't know that you can actually make a concentrate for it or how that will be or anything mm -hmm. else. So it's just super exciting to see like all of these different varieties evolve and turn into a thing, you know? So back to Secret Cup, you come back, you start the regional. Um, well, you started to be aware of what we were doing. So we started facing a lot of pushback from local authorities. And, you know, I'll, I'll be the first one to say we, we were not the best businessmen, but, you know, we had a lot of love for our scene and our culture. And we put all the money we made back into the events to make them as great as we could. Yeah. And one other thing, like, um, as we were doing regionals, that meant that gave us the opportunity for like a national, you know, a finals between all the winners from all ah. the events. No other event does this or has done it. Yeah. And this is how, how it evolved. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so that's what we started doing. And uh, Dan made like a WWF style belt. Yeah. And uh, I believe Brandon has it currently. Does he? <laughs> oh, you get a belt. Yeah, yeah. You oh, would be the grand in. champion. That's right. Brandon probably still got the belt. Name on it. You got to do a tag team belt. <laughs> Brandon, Brandon right? got Brandon yeah. got every every award known to man when it comes to hash making and, and, and <laughs> you know. In we the saw the business. evolution of him. Like I remember, he was just kind of there with his girl at the first time he won, and. Uh, and then from there, he became like this whole... What did he win with first? Was it Skittles? Um, it was actually no. OG Eddie Lepp, and it was yeah. under his uh, girlfriend at the time's label, Boo Boo's Bubble. Okay. Yeah. That's funny, because he's, you know, because <laughs> he's straight bubble. off Eddie's farm, right? Yeah. Most people don't know who Eddie is or the, the history of, of his catalog of genetics, mm -hmm. um, but that's crazy. And I've actually heard that story, and oddly enough, Andrew, who runs Hayes Radio, what is it? a friend of Eddie's and knew Brandon. So when I brought Brandon here to do the show, they like reconnected when, you know, Brandon was a youngster at the time. And like, they had this little moment where they were talking about, I just got to kind of be a fly on the wall and listen to them talk about Eddie's uh, nursery. And like, you know, we're pretty much can thank him for what's going on today. Everything kind of came out of that, came out of that nursery, so to speak. It was an amazing farm and uh, an amazing time. Yeah. To grow cannabis and he was a rebel you know an outlaw yeah the pioneers bro the ones that really put everything in. and I, I forget exactly how long he did in prison but a long time mm -hmm. and uh for us to be able to sit here openly and and talk about this and share and and have this culture god bless him you know what i want to know is you have an award or a belt for the first judge that passes out from testing all this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so how'd that go? Any panic attacks? Oh, weird stuff? Show. I'm sure, because yeah. I remember... From <laughs> attendees, these people making this stuff, yeah. they, they got some tolerance. No, for sure, but the attendees. I remember when <laughs> yeah. dab bars started popping up at the dispensaries in Los Angeles, yeah. and like, 
let's be honest, a dab bar at a dispensary in LA when you got to get in your car and drive away is a bad idea. Oh yeah. <laughs> but you know, it was a high, it was a you know a, a rebel I, I time and that was based kind meds on one? what we yeah. were doing. Yeah. Kind meds. That's the that that is the the dab bar. You know. They had a sign that said if you puked, you had to pay a fee. Who was it? Joe. Joe ran kind meds, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Joe's cool. I like Joe. Is Joe still around? I heard he was an Uber driver now. That's what I heard. Joe too. might may or may not be in the business anymore. I don't really know. I remember <laughs> he was still growing a little bit um, and coming around in like the Green Dragon days, but it was definitely like people were feeling bad not that like, like kind. I mean, kind meds was fucking fucking popping, bro. Like, oh, like yeah. out the door around the corner, fucking nonstop. So. So yeah, Joe hit some some harder times, and I wish him the best. That's a it's a shame. I was the manager of the Kind Meds when it was in the Encino location before okay. they moved to the Dab Bar. Really? Yeah. Then I split off, and I was uh, running SC Pot, which is now the location for the weed. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Before I got out of Cali. Yeah. <laughs> I nice. made quite a lot of the juice that was available at Kind Meds. If you ever saw that. Really? Yes. See. Yeah. History. So Valley history. No judges passed out. Um. I don't you think know, so. You know, actually, like, I, I got to tell you, the one time in Denver, it was really cold, and, you know, someone had just, like, stayed up for, like, 24 hours, and he actually had a seizure right oh. after he took his first dab. Oh, fuck, bro. <laughs> what? Who was that? Kenny Yogi. Oh, really? I, I don't know that. laugh, Crazy. but I can only imagine. Because yeah. I can't well, handle it. No, well, we well, had judges throw up. I've had multiple people. A kid, a kid had a seizure on me at work the other day, bro, and he was, I've had multiple employees that had seizures. Some worse than others, obviously. And this kid, great kid. Um, but I could tell, like, we were taking down a room, and he had just stopped, like, in the middle of doing. He was taking plants from the room to the to the dry room. And, like, I could see him kind of, like, a little lost. And I was calling his name, and he wasn't responding to me. And I was like, damn, this fool's seizing out. He's tripping out right now. And I'm like, so I, I told him, yo, you got to calm down. You got to go sit down and chill out. You know what I mean? I need you to, to take a breather. Because, you know, walking in and out of rooms, different light patterns, if somebody's Somebody has seizures. These oh, are the yeah. type of things that, you know, make them have these issues. We had, a, we had a guy that worked for us, awesome guy, hard worker, and he would seize out and, like, he would fall. So it was bad, bad, like, when he would seize out because, you know, you're worried about him. You're in a fucking grow in a warehouse. There's anything sure. that you could hit your head on. He was a big dude. It's not like we were going to catch him or anything. You know what I mean? It's like it's, a, it's gnarly. You know, it really has something to do with blood sugar. Like I if bet. you're hungry and you're dehydrated, I bet, and then you get really high all of a sudden, like you know, yeah, same thing like getting happen. piercings and shit like that and tattoos. If you didn't yeah. eat, your blood sugar's off. A lot of people. Pass I mean, out. everything, mm -hmm. everything in our body kind of has to be in. So in, when you smoke that wax and that shit, or whatever, oh, bro, you're just like I mean, people, <laughs> people threw up Did from smoking eat? bad dabs so though too. Like we yeah. had a few entries that were really bad. And oh, okay. people like how was that so yeah. it was it was open to anybody to enter yes i can More tell you or less. this like you know the first time around uh, the person who was in last place i'm actually wearing his t-shirt right now mm -hmm. he's very successful now but at the time um he didn't believe that his entry was was his entry because it just completely went from like a see-through gray to like a dark buttery gray and he he said that can't be it was yeah interesting and then he actually went on to win first place like two years later Awesome. Yeah. The evolution. So exactly. he, he got better. That's cool. I mean, I respect that. I respect learning and growing and keeping, the, you know, getting back on the horse and trying again. Well, we have seen some weird, weird shit. Yeah, we had a guy get naked at one of the things. I don't know <laughs> if it was from uh, dabs. But, uh, no, not, he, not a dab of that. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, shit. That's hilarious. Um, what about law enforcement? I'm sure you had mad pressure from them constantly throwing yes. these underground events. Many times. And I'm sure at any any time, any type of undercovers or anybody trying to, to mosey their way into the circle, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. You want to tell them about Arizona? Oh, yeah. We've had a few uh, really bad ones. Arizona is the only one that we got, like, um, shut down mm-hmm. um, where they had some somebody like an undercover kind of came up. It was a two-day event, and it was on the second day. It was kind of midday, and uh, they called me to the front, and they're like, hey, some guy just came up. He was asking a bunch of questions, and we thought he was like like a cop or somebody we should be concerned with, so we followed him. He walked all the way down the street far and then got into a car and drove away. And I'd been through a lot at this point, so I thought, hmm, all right, well, let's see what happens, you know. And, You're going to find out. Yeah. A <laughs> little, little bit later, maybe say an hour later or maybe a couple hours. I, I don't remember how long. It wasn't long. Um, a bunch of cars, say maybe six, I think. Four at the <coughs> least showed up. And um, they get out and then they want to talk to me. And so um, people kind of panicked and... Uh, most, uh, I, I kind of avoided them for a second. I can't remember if I, I saw them right away or if I, um, if I just immediately avoided them and then eventually went back to deal with it. But I, I saw a few of the other people that were part of the event and I remember telling them that the police were there. And uh, they were some of the local people who had helped us. And they immediately got very worried and left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think they had had well, I know now that they had had previous problems with the police at this location. So it was kind of a, a thing we didn't know about and like we pushed a little too far. But when I finally went to deal with it, they were pretty nice about it. They kind of, they, they wanted to hold me there until like a h- higher up officer would arrive on the scene. And then when he arrived, he wanted to talk to me about um, kind of where I was from and what the event was and you know we told them that it was a medical event and that only 215 or well you know whatever their thing was only medical patients were allowed and uh, he immediately told me that these events were not okay and that <laughs> he was going to come back and in if an we hour were, yeah <laughs> if, if we were still there then he was going to issue citations oh right yeah so you know we had kind of already told people that they should start shutting down. So we, that was the only event we ever had to actually shut down during the event. The rest of them, we were able to kind of keep juggling and keep the events going. Yeah. Yeah. But there's always a little pressure. Yeah. Some are worse than others, but, uh, (laughs) exactly. You guys did some stuff overseas too, huh? This is true. Yeah. Yeah. So we've done two international events, one in Amsterdam and one in Barcelona. How was that? So the, the Barcelona one is a popular story because I almost got arrested arriving at the airport. So, um, he's a fugitive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This one is, this, this is, um, a fun story. So I, uh, I used to do a lot of like more risky stuff in the industry. I made hash and, you know, I grew and I did stuff. I transported and I've had my fair share of problems and uh, I've kind of passed that at the point where I was doing the secret cup. I wasn't really doing my own hash company or any of that kind of stuff. I wasn't entering. 
And so when we were going to do this event, I was like kind of confident, like, oh, okay, I'm going to travel over there. I got all this stuff that I got to bring. Uh, so I got a third suitcase. I had all the awards. I, I had a bunch of e-nails. I had all kinds of, you know, tools and little gimmicky products and, and the glass torches that, uh, the, the glass, uh, uh, rigs that were trophy rigs mm-hmm. for the uh, winners. And I just had a ton of stuff. So I had a whole case full of all kinds of like crazy stuff. No and, hash though. Well, <laughs> wasn't supposed to be. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to Spain. And uh, at the last minute, one of our longtime uh, people who had entered, the, like longtime supporters, I guess you would say, he's a long competitor. He had entered a, a few different cups. It's uh, Master Yoda. Mm. And uh, <laughs> he's like, hey, I'm not going. It's the same time as Spanibus. He thought he was going to go. He's not going to go. Can I take his entry? And you'll still be able to enter the secret cup. And it was last minute. I was going in like a day or two or something like that. I couldn't mail it. It was like too late. So I told him, all right, you know, he pushed. And I thought, all right, I'll do it. And I'm, I've gone back and forth to Amsterdam so many times and they never talked to me. Yeah, right this through. Is, yeah, my, my first time going to Spain, I thought, ah, oh, it's probably the same. You know, I'm just going to walk right through. So um, packed everything up, got on the airplane. When I'm, no problems in LA, right? So fl- get on. Yeah, you always get the leave. Yeah, no problem. I'm in Spain um, going, getting off the airplane. So I'm not even out of the actual plane. And as I'm getting out of the door, there's a military policeman there. So he has a machine gun and he's got like the beret and like the whole like desert storm looking outfit. And he has my picture. (laughs) (laughs) That's not good. (laughs) And he's like communicating in um, Spanish to the flight attendants. And they're like, yeah, that's the guy, you know, like I can tell. And, And then immediately he's like, hey, there's no problem. Everything is okay, but you need to come with me and uh, just get all your stuff and come with me. But there's no problem. And he, he would, he kept saying it in broken English, he barely could speak English, but he, he I kind of got the feeling as we're going through the airport and he's like, everything's cool, that I could have run away from this guy maybe. Like it, he was very concerned that I was gonna like do something to get away from him. But I didn't, and I just followed him to this underground part of the airport where there's a whole bunch of these military guys all over the place now. And they bring me over to a a set of tables, and they have all my bags on the table open, but not gone through. And yeah, I'm having like this movie moment where I'm like, okay, this is is, is the time. And I'm trying to keep it cool because I know, okay, I'm not in trouble yet. But there's a large potential for trouble. Yeah, this is bad. And I had hidden, <laughs> it's not looking good, I'll admit. <laughs> I'd put the slab inside one of the emails. Okay. So Smart. I knew, okay, so they can even go through my bags a little bit here, and everything should look okay. It's if they're like, if they're like the American police, they're going to find this. The American police are crazy. Yeah, they'll go through, they'll take shit apart. And spend hours and just like look through every little thing. Yeah. So, um... They say to me, there's like a bunch of these cops all around my bags and they're speaking in Spanish to each other. And the guy's like, okay, so we want to go through your bags. Is it okay if we go through your bags? I said, yeah, no problem. I know I have to be cool, right? So um, yeah, go through my bags. They start going through my stuff and they're not really going through it like the American cops. They're kind of looking, but they're not really like search searching. 
And then at a certain point, they get to the third bag. Now that's where all the stuff is, right? They had found a couple little things and they were like, huh, what's this like, you know, box of metals or whatever it was, you know, like there were things that they had seen, but then when they got to the third bag and it's all the e-nails and all this other stuff, then they start saying to each other, hey, Festival de Cannabis, and then the name of the city where Spanibus happens. Mm -hmm. And we had timed it at the same time as Spanibus. Mm -hmm. So I could tell, oh, they think I'm here for Spanibus. Yeah. They think I have like a booth or something. Mm -hmm. And then the guy who speaks English says to me, he's like, hey, are you here for the Festival de Cannabis in the city that Spanibus is in? And I was like, yes. Yeah, that's why I'm here. And he's like, ah, oh, oh, do you have any paperwork? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm sure I do somewhere, but I don't know where it is. He's like, ah, don't worry about it. They pack up all my bags, out I go. Fuck, bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Spanibus. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dodge the bullet. So yeah. why did they have your picture? They got it off my passport, and I'm pretty sure what they did was they scanned the bags, and oh, they're yeah. like, what the As they fuck were coming is through. this? They hit the mother Is it a bomb? Yeah. Is it, you know? And There's no problem. Just come with us yeah. so you can explain this. Exactly. <laughs> that all this odd thing is. Yeah, planes are crazy. I, I had so a, you really thought about running? Oh, I mean, there was part of me that wanted to. I'm like, <laughs> where, oh, where are you really Jesus. going? Yeah, but I'm here. I am in Spain. Like, what am I gonna do? And like, did, did this you guy like, had a machine gun. Did you size him up? Like, okay, if I run, can you catch me? <laughs> he was big. He was a big guy. Like, it was he, a, it, well, he was after after X-raying your bag. It was obviously a national security threat. Is what they were there for. And they got this picture. This guy's got weird shit. Mm -hmm. That's know. what I think too. Yeah, totally. Know? I'm sure that's what it was. I got off a plane one time. Nah, overseas. All the cops got AKs or something. Yeah, well, no, they're military. Band, right? <laughs> yeah, that's how it was. That's how it is. Every in year. Amsterdam, I've overseas. seen those cops in the grocery store. Yeah. Like smoking joints in the grocery Real store cops. back in the day. And then like going out to Real hey, cops. No. <laughs> they were. You ain't, you ain't shoplifting. It's like the military. <laughs> <laughs> I went to do a Sandlot event with a couple of the cast members. We were doing an autograph signing in Philadelphia one time. And I, I left LAX, this is a few years ago. I left LAX and I had, I had rolled up like four joints of Cushman's and it was loud as fuck. And I just put it in a little sandwich bag and I put it in my backpack and uh, we were doing like a pretty quick trip. So I didn't really, I didn't pack a bag. I just had a backpack with clothes and whatever. We were gonna be there for two days and, and back in LA. And, uh, I remember walking through TSA and the TSA agent just like, I was loud as fuck. And my boy was laughing because he smelled me when he walked up, one of the other guys from the film. And the TSA agent in LA turned around and was like, God damn, bro. Like it was obnoxious almost, right? <laughs> so here I am on this flight. <laughs> so uh, we get to Philadelphia, we land, we're at the airport and the stewardess calls over the thing and she says, yo, well, Chauncey Leopardi and Brandon Adams, please, uh, please wait at the front of the jet, please come up and wait at the front of the jet bridge, right? So they called us out of our seats before everybody got off the plane and made us come up and wait at the thing of the jet bridge. There is a, a Philadelphia police department officer and he's standing right there and I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm like, this, this can't be good, right? Yeah. So I'm standing there next to Brandon, reeking like weed still from these fucking four joints sitting in my backpack. And the cop was there because I guess there was some like, some of the other guys had got into town before then and it was for like an autograph thing. And sometimes they'll be like, 
like autograph hounds there trying to like hound down celebrities and get their autograph and shit, right? Ah. So this cop was actually our escort. And he was going to escort us out so that nobody would attack us. And so now, mind you, Brandon, I got off the plane and I'm there and everybody, everybody has to walk off the plane by us. Right. So we're in this little ass jet bridge and it's just blasted with fucking weed in Philadelphia. Here I am with this Philadelphia PD and he has to escort me. And I'm just like. Just looking at him like, yeah, bro, I'm, I'm from L.A. Fuck, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I bet you feel like a fucking asshole right now. You're just, right. just reeking like weed while everybody gets off the plane. And I'm sure every single person that got off the plane was like, oh, these fools are fucked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, he put us on a little cart and drove us to our uh, to our driver, and it ended up being a A-OK. So, uh, yeah, I, I know what the... I felt bad for the guy, actually. I was like, how... How disrespectful. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so why'd you guys decide to, to stop to stop doing the cup? What happened? Man, the money ran out. Yeah. Yeah. We were In mostly the, supported by, you know, a lot the of industry. brands. Yeah. And we a lot of the two fifteen brands, the, yeah. the legacy brands. It, it was kinda like a perfect storm of a few things all kind of happening and then our motivation kind of stopped being into it too yeah. you know when people started cheating and then there were like rumors of this and that and then uh, there was all these different events like when we first started there was no seshes of any mm-hmm. kind they were based on our events yeah you know so as that kind of happened and then there was a, an event every night of the week it wasn't special to go to the secret cup anymore you mm-hmm. know and we were still doing these cool things certain events like had a little bit of like our camping events especially and certain things we did still had that special thing but we didn't have the the amount of people that we really needed to fund all of the events Bef- before we were able to do like, like the Colorado events we did an east coast event the LA events they were so big yeah that they funded the rest of the events we lost money on most of the other events yeah and if we didn't have those like colossally successful ones, we wouldn't have been able to do a lot of the really cool ones that we did do. Yeah, because it's, it's, it costs money. You yeah. got venues, you got people to pay, security, this, you know, workers. Um. And, and we got out right before licensing came in. Yeah. So I also was doing Chalice. Oh, yeah, Chalice and, is huge. Yeah. And so I was doing that too, and I kind of kept doing it for like another year, but right before the licensing came in, I stepped away from that also. Have they, has Chalice run any events? They got a license, didn't they? For so, so. Uh, I do not know what is currently up with Chalice. I saw Dougie not all that long ago, and the indication was that he wants to do something with it someday. And I don't know what that is. I hope he does. Those were some great events. Yeah. yeah. They did not make money, but they were great events, and they were great times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's just working on kind of making ends, um, making relationships uh, right from the bad experience that he had with that last um, event that wasn't able to kind of take place. Yeah, I mean, obviously with the pandemic and everything, it's going to definitely put a dent in, like, you know, shared space and venues like that. We had uh, Carla and Chang from Gorilla Union on uh, the show, Good Friends at Dietrichs, and uh, and uh, I think they, they might have helped with the chalice or something that they did at Adelanto out there, and, uh, you know, some of their early high times, like... I mean, he ran all the smokeouts, so that was mm-hmm. like, 
the precursor to that concert type of sure. Vibe. Yeah, that's where I remember them from. Yeah, yeah. Smoke Out. Yeah. Every one of those. Yeah, the best shit ever, bro. <laughs> almost yeah. died at one. Almost got trampled. Did you? <laughs> I seen a movie. Uh, they made a movie about trying to go to uh, trying to go to paid dues. Was it paid dues or was it Rock the Bells? So they made a movie about oh, nice. this whole thing that happens. It's like these two kids, and all they're trying to do is get to Rock the Bells, and uh, it's about their like path to try to get to the concert, basically. Yeah, I love it. It's cool that they, uh, you know, those those waves of smoke out and rock the bells and these paid dues and these shows like really paved the way for a lot of the hip hop cannabis culture and, oh, for and sure. stuff, you know? That was the first kind of like concert cannabis like collaboration where they were trying to do a concert, but then hit all the cannabis like culture people and, and have them all involved. It was, it was a cool thing. Yeah, it's good. I think it's kind of where we're at now because of all of these people taking these risks to to do these events, you know? Yeah, at 420 every year for those concerts, yeah. that was epic. That was the first time I'd ever seen anything like that until I went to Denver for their 420. Yeah, I bet. How, uh, how'd you almost get trampled? What show was that? That was, um, it was the one where they had the, the guy from Pantera doing a set too. Phil? Pennywise was there. Pennywise was there. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I was just drunk and stoned and just laying down listening to the music and all of a sudden it felt like an earthquake and oh, shit. I shot open people going around. You were laying down in the stuff. mosh pit. I, no, I was way far away from that. I was <laughs> way far away from that. I was up on those grassy little hills. But it was a Pantera show, so the mosh pit was everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. We were talking to uh who we who do we have on the show that was talking about when when uh we talk about how uh, Bobo got Tommy Chong too high and he was supposed to host co-host the show at Smoke Out and he couldn't. <laughs> Anybody who was there. We talked, we talked to everybody here about that. So, that was there. So uh, I was talking to Kenji about it the other day, yeah. actually. We, we brought that up on the show, too. Uh, it was Carla. Yeah, it was Carla yeah. when we had Carla on and she was talking about... <laughs> so Tommy Chong is supposed to host and uh, Bobo, he lets him hit the big fucking 12-footer or whatever it is that they oh hit boy. on stage and shit. You know, Tommy was talking all that shit, like you know that old school. Oh, back <laughs> you know, you know how that is all the the, the back in my day type of shit. I've seen that guy I heard it. That's exactly what he said. Then he got some of that. I've been smoking before you were born. Yeah, and then he got some of that insane OG from that 13 foot bong, and it was. A, he, yeah. They said he, he was back there having hot flashes. <laughs> couldn't do the show. They had to call an ambulance for him. This shit. Oh man. <laughs> and and B's looking at B. B and them were looking at, at Bubba like, damn, dog, what the fuck you do? He was supposed to host this show. <laughs> you know, it's disappointing when you, like, run into, like, stoner icons and they just can't hang. Almost like, all of them. Trailer Park Boys. Oh, yeah. They don't smoke. Yeah, it's like one of those things. Only Randy <laughs> I smokes. I love that show, though. I love only that show. Only Randy smokes. He's the only one. And they grow weed in the backseat of cars, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it is a little disappointing. It's funny. Uh, we have a friend, a good friend that owns a big dispensary, and... Uh, he has a boy that does, uh, he works on music videos, right? And there was a big rapper that was doing a music video that is is a smoker or whatever, you know? And uh, they brought our boy, and he brought our boy to the set, right? And our boy is like, he owns a dispensary, he grows weed. He's like a weed dude, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so they're chilling in like a holding area or whatever, and the, the rapper dude, he had walked by with a blunt, and our boy smelled it, and he was like, damn, this was smoking bullshit. <laughs> and he straight he straight told our other friend he was like he was like hey doggy I'm out this motherfucker over here smoking bullshit he's smoking boof I gotta go I can't be seen around this motherfucker it's hilarious bro <laughs> he's laughing because he knows what the fuck I'm talking about probably yeah. I ain't trying to throw 
I'm not trying to throw the rapper under the bus, but it was a big name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've all had that experience. Like, you know, they, they all like, they're very proud of the weed that they have and what have you. But yeah, of then course. you see it and you're like, I mean, oh, look, bro, if okay. you're from LA, if you're from <laughs> LA or, or the Bay or the, you know, the culture, it's different. Yeah. I mean, if you're from the East Coast, bro, or yeah. Florida or Texas and you're trying to pass me a blunt, I'm good. Yeah. Like, I, I probably don't want to hit that shit. You know what I'm saying? You it's either that? weed that came from here that went out there because it wasn't good enough to stay here, or it's some shit that you found out there that I don't want no parts of either. You know what I mean? Most For often. the most part. But I got to tell you, now there it's is different. a heady elite scene in every one of these other states. Of course. Now. Yeah. And even like, more so now, they're getting like better. Iowa? Like, that's where they had the lemon G come from? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, the, that's where that lemon flavor comes from, man. Iowa. Iowa, huh? Yeah. yeah OG from Florida. Like yeah, OG is from Florida. Um, I, East Coast, Mother of Berries. Dude, uh, everywhere we went, we would stumble upon these people just killing the game, and it would be from places you're like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. When we went to Spain, the people that won that event were from England, mm-hmm. where they have no medical marijuana. Yeah, well, they got a big scene, though. Yeah. I know. And, I, know the, I know the cats. <laughs> I know the British cats. They you know, pay in blues. Like risking them. their lives. <laughs> <laughs> you know the, the guys from Team 10? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah those yeah. dudes are great. Yeah. Um, it was awesome when they won. They were like, 710 massive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> they got second place in the finals, actually. They were the first in an international competitor to, to win yeah, that heavy Team They 10. beat all the other Shattermakers, too. They were the yeah. only BHO at entry well they were the highest rated bho entry the the zushi is great i love that shit um, also kipax won our amsterdam event interesting he's also from england yeah yeah they got a pretty good a pretty you know a decent sized scene over there obviously you've seen the movie the gentleman guy Ritchie's film where they talk about cannabis growth a little bit out oh, there yeah mm-hmm. but uh yeah it's funny when we started to extract more out here and we started to research uh equipment and machines and things and you come to find out that the biggest buyer of extract um, machines and and gas and things of these natures, we found out from these big manufacturers that the biggest buyers were in Kentucky. Really? Wow. Bigger than California even. But if you go back and learn that like they, have they weren't just really making moonshine yeah. in the hills, they've been growing weed in the hills forever. Yeah. One of the do. first dudes I grew indoor with, uh, a friend of mine in Dietrich's, um, Ori was a, uh, he started growing indoor and outdoor cannabis in Kentucky in the early 90s. And uh, he ended up um, he ended up going to prison out there for uh, a crazy, you know, helping his mentor. His mentor's partner tried to rob him, and his mentor shot him Ooh, and killed him. Oh, and this Jesus. dude helped move the body or right. something and took a fucking accessory charge and did, did some prison time as a young man and everything else. But off of, like, a indoor weed scene back 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 in the day you know what i mean and it's a uh, yeah you know you see these movies and uh these books and know that you know these uh this bad legislation and, and this smear campaign on cannabis has caused all this really but everybody has love for the plant you know so what is your favorite strain that is no longer around i love asking OGs this question my favorite strain that's no longer around yeah um i love la con bro yeah. I smoke flour, so once again, it's not something that makes a good concentrate, but I used to love L.A. Calm when it came around, when it was done well. Yeah. 
Um, to be honest, these days, the thing I miss the most is like really good OG because that doesn't exist in the market too much anymore either. I mean, there's still some people holding it we down. We should but talk after the show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got, I, got, I got OG still too, but I just, yeah. I, like as it's, I wish she was back where she should be. You I know miss, what I'm saying? Uh, I miss Green Crack a lot. Green Crack's mm. coming back. Um, Ember Valley's been running Green Crack as like a legacy strain. Yeah, man, these, uh, you know, you, if you ran retail, you know, 215 retail, you know, you knew that there were certain things that you had to have on a shelf. Yeah. You had to have Jack, you know, a Jack or a J1, a Blue Dream, a Green Crack. Sativa smokers were like very particular, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you know, four or five OGs at least and, you know, random flavors. But these were like the staples in the industry. And now as things have gotten yeah. hypey and exotic, we've kind of went away from these these beautiful plants that kind of got us here. You know what I mean? Definitely. I remember this bubble gum that was only in the valley. It wasn't the bubble gum that was in NorCal that, you know, smelled like Hubba Bubba or something. Mm-hmm. It was very unique. It was cushy, sweet candy. And then the guy moved out of town and That's just it. let it die. Yeah, gone. Gone. Yeah. It's funny, like, even when people give it to somebody else and the recipe's different and the things change yeah. and the, it, it's not the same. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I used to get a strain called Halloween from uh, NorCal. Uh-huh. And it was evil wicked strong yeah yeah that's why they called it halloween huh it was crazy that it'll kill you <laughs> never seen it anywhere else you know i i also had um a tarantula strain from one of those uh dispensaries up there in like the the bay area and it was so fire i like brought it home and i looked it up and it was in the canna bible i was like oh look there it is wow i love the canna bible <laughs> that was so dope man yeah that was a cool thing back then I love where the game is gone, and I also kind of miss like the the mystery of it as well. You know what I mean? Like the the books like that, or, or you know, not really knowing the lineage and like the legend, I guess, of like you know what we come from is like those things that were like legendary. Oh you know? yeah, and like, it was like legends. a find. You would find something, yeah. and you'd be like, "Oh, this is like so amazing. This unique experience. I'm probably not going to get this again." Mm-hmm. Like it was a whole. It was like one and done. We still talk about them. You see, like. Everybody has that experience too, because I mean, even you know, we're talking about Tommy Chong, and I'm sure he's like, oh, that one fucking like everybody can remember that one bag that was just was next level and 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 uh, close to heart. Yeah. Uh, what's what's uh, what's coming up for you guys? So- um. Well, you know, uh, there's there's a few things coming up. We're planning a reunion. We have a documentary that Jeremy finished. Uh, working on recently and is out, out at the editor. Rad. Yeah, and we're also going to be supporting the Hayes Secret Cup. I'm sure a lot of people would think we'd have beef from them because they're using the name too, but they're their own entity and they have very graciously invited us to, to help out. So Dope. We're, all, we're all on board. That's going to be in, in Las Vegas, I believe, right? Yes, sir. Okay, cool. Um, documentaries, Rad. Yeah. That should be cool, right? It's been a long time in the making. And is it uh, just like... Um, is it pieced together or you guys have a lot of video I'm sure too and just kind of Oh yeah. It's Is so, it your story or is it about is it about the event itself? It's kind of both those things to a certain extent. Like we kind of give a little background. Well, I also have not seen the new cut. So this whole Isn't it interesting how something can change in the editor's room? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Editing you know? makes the whole project. Yeah. So I um, was not a filmmaker when I began this process and it was like this long learning experience of trial and error and, um, you know, eventually finding the right people to work with. A lot of people had kind of misrepresented their abilities and um, I, it was 
eight years ago, and this movie would it's in post. It should be out in two months. That's you know? awesome. So Where can people find it? At? It'll probably be on uh, either Fox or on Amazon, or you know, we're talking to HBO. That's like, dope. We'll see. You know, in two months. Yeah, well, two months it'll be done with post, okay. and then it'll so be released whenever from there. That's awesome. Yeah. Where can people find you guys as social or more information? Well, I'm personally at Top Shelf Extracts on Instagram, um, or just Daniel Desai mm -hmm. anywhere else. We do still have the Secret Cup official on Instagram, and then my filmmaking profile is at Sky Island Storytelling, and uh, yeah, that's on Facebook too. Yeah, go check. Mm -hmm. Go check out the legends that created the, the you know, the secret wave, right? <laughs> right. Thanks for coming on the yeah. show, guys. I Thanks appreciate y'all. It's nice to meet y'all. You guys are legends. I remember we were always at the warehouse and at the shop working, but, like, it was always, like, the, the legend of the secret cup in the background. Yo, we got to enter. You know, you guys are known for wax. You guys got to go to the cup. You got to do this thing. It was like, you know, <laughs> you know how we are in L.A. It's always work, work, work. No play. Non-stop. Yeah. All right. Take care, guys. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio.